Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Some people wonder why they don't have faith for certain things. They feed their body three hot meals a day, but the spirit one cold snack a week. (laughs) And they wonder why they're faith deficient. So the same way that your body needs vitamins, your faith needs vitamins. Your spirit man needs vitamins. That only comes through the word. PD said it last week. You, I mean, you could pray to your blue in the face. If you don't read the word, you won't have nothing. <laughs> the Holy Spirit won't have nothing to act on, you know. So as we read the scripture, I'm going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's just, ears be attentive, hearts be open. Um, the, the word's anointed in itself. People could just, pre- just read the Bible and it's anointed in itself. It's the word of God. That's power. Amen. Let me know when you get there. Say amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Thank you. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are all aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from that Lord on that day. And you well know all the service you've rendered at Ephesus. Thank God for the reading of the word. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would use me, make me usable in your hands. I yield myself to the Holy Spirit within me, and I pray for supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. I thank you that Holy Spirit, you and I are together a dynamic duo, and we will do the will of the Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for utterance. Thank you for signs and wonders. Father, as I share this word, Prayer lights will never be the same. Father, give unto your people the spirit of wisdom. Say this, say, Father, Father, grant unto me me the spirit of wisdom wisdom 
and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of my understanding may be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power towards me who believes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're, we're going to do something. Uh, we're going to share something um, in light of the becoming. Last, last month we did the People series. And so this month um, we're going to dive into the in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And I believe that 2 Timothy will be a blessing to us as we... So, so your homework assignment is to read through 2 Timothy every day this week. Um, so that's, you know, from here to next Sunday, just go through it and read through it. And we're going to take a chapter each week, right? So the title of the message is called Guarding the Spiritual Deposit. Guarding the Spiritual Deposit. Uh, Paul is writing this letter in a time um, near his death. He's actually about to leave this world. And he's sensing death upon him. And he's conscious of his departure, and he's given his son in the faith some wisdom as he prepares for his heavenly reward. And there are some things that God has placed inside of us, um, and we must guard them, them, guard them. And so let's look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice that Paul is highlighting, I want to emphasize, in this one chapter, he's highlighting the three persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here he's referring to the Father in Christ Jesus. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul isn't just an apostle because he wanted to be one. But he, he's a messenger. And the word apostle simply means a special messenger or a sent messenger. And that the Lord called him as an apostle. He is a sent one. That's one of the definition, definitions of an apostle, a sent one. So he's been sent by Jesus. Now, now, some call themselves apostles today <clears throat> because they believe they can receive a greater honor and greater rewards. When Paul and people in the Bible days called themselves an apostle, it was a death sentence. So it wasn't a popular thing. People in leadership, um, to be a leader in the church back in the Bible days meant that you were going to die that you were willing to leave everything and be poor in the sense of the, this world's goods and end up dying. So when Paul is saying he's an apostle, he basically said, I'm going to be a servant, a slave of Jesus in a way that will probably cost me my life. And we see today everybody, not everybody, but some people are wanting this title because of the benefits in their minds that they are actually going to receive. It's a sobering calling, 
um, to lay down your life for the service of the Lord. And so Paul, it says, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, I am an apostle. So let me, I have a question for you. What are you by the will of God? What are you by the will, not by the will of your parents? How I many you know parents can be good, they, great parents, but they can, they can will some things for you, right? I, I know that there is um, times that people are convinced that they have received something for their children, whether somebody gave them a prophetic word or they receive a prophetic word. But how many know that people can miss it and not hear right? So it's very careful that we don't impress on our children things that we're not sure that the Lord wants. Because some people will shape their whole world, kids will shape their whole world perhaps around what is impressed upon them from parents. And so we don't want to make that mistake. Now, we need to impress some good things, and we'll talk about this in a minute. And so here Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus by what? Come on, help me out. The will of God, not of his own will or the will of those around him. It kind of reminds me of John chapter 1, verse 9, that talks about, let's go there real quick. Y'all got time, right? <laughs> Y'all didn't come here just to chill, <laughs> but you came to be equipped to, to grow in the things of God. John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, um, we're reading, we're studying the book of John in, in the youth ministry, the true light, which gives light to everyone. Actually, John chapter 1, jump down to verse 11. Uh, let's, let's do 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through Jesus. And, and yet the world did not know Jesus. He came to his own, talking about Jesus. Jesus came to the Jews and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, this is what happened. He gave them the right to become children of God. So unless you receive Christ, you're not a child of God. Verse 13 who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So this is referring to the children of God. And it can also, it, it tends to think about, and perhaps it was even referring to Jesus, that Jesus was born nor of, nor of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. But those who receive Christ, they become children of God not because of the will of, of other people or because of flesh and blood, but they are children of God because of the will of God. Amen? Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Verse 1. Okay, so we, we see here that Paul is declaring that he is an apostle by the will of God. So we as believers need to make sure of our calling in our election in Christ. By the will of God, I'm a pastor and a teacher, and, and, and we need to magnify what the Lord's will is in our lives. So this is what I want to take away from that. We can stop there and probably stop and go home now. 
build your entire life on and around the will of God. Go to school for the will of God, get a job because of the will of God, and build everything around the will of God that's on your life. Paul is an apostle by the will of God, and it says, according to or in accordance with the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. How many know there's a promise of life in Christ Jesus? One of the promises, according to John chapter 10, verse 10, the abundant life. We are supposed to have life and life more, what, abundantly. And so we are to live. There's a promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, and people are living their lives according to this world. But as believers, we are to live our lives according to the abundant life in Christ, the life of God. He has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. We receive the, the DNA of God. We receive the life of God, the, living the life that is in Christ Jesus. So every believer has the life of God in them. So I want you to repeat this out to me. Say, I have the life of God inside of me. We have his very nature and we have his very life. And so the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, there is a source of life that's living inside of us. We, we can tap into that life. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of us. And that life can quicken our mortal bodies. There is some life that's inside of you. It doesn't matter what you're facing. That promise of life is inside of every believer. All right. Now that's just verse one. Verse two says to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus. Grace, mercy, and peace. This is what I like to call triple blessings. Every believer every day has, they have access to some grace, mercy, and peace. Let's just talk about this real quick. Grace is um, unmerited, unmerited, unearned favor. So we have some favor available to us every day. Favor with God and favor from God. And mercy, so grace is giving us what we cannot earn. Mercy is giving us what we deserve, not giving us what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we cannot earn. Mercy is not giving us what we, is, we deserve. So we deserve hell. We deserve wrath. We deserve judgment. But mercy steps in. The mercy of God, but God who is rich in mercy. So God's big but is stopping wrath from coming upon us. Come on. And there's some peace available to us. Grace, mercy, and peace. Undeserved, unearned favor. Mercy, compassion, and pity. pity, And some peace, shalom, nothing missing and nothing broken. Mercy. It is through the mercies of God we are not consumed. It is through the mercies of God that we wake up every day. It is through the mercies of God that our bad eating habits haven't taken us out. <clears throat> grace, mercy, and peace is available to every single believer every moment of their lives. And so you have triple blessings everywhere you go. And the Bible, go Psalm 23, sorry, Al Alfred. 
Um, Psalm 23, let's go real quick, real quick. Um, guarding the spiritual deposit. Psalm 23 says this. Says this. Go over there with if you have your Bible, your smart smartphones. Psalm 23, and it says this. Let's look at the last part, verse 6. Oh, let's do verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And so God has prepared a table before us. This is not talking about heaven. We need that table now. Right. <laughs> and there are no enemies. There's no enemies in heaven. So therefore, it's not talking about heaven. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And guess what's on this table? There's some, there's some joy, there's some peace, there's some life everlasting, and so forth. You'll know my hand. Oh, verse 6 is where I want to get to. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, for I shall dwell, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what's following you? When you're going through life, just look behind you. You got some goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. Everywhere I go, there's blessing. Yeah. Anthony Brown and group therapy. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings, right? We can claim that because everywhere I go, when I'm walking, I got goodness and mercy following me. That's available to us now every single day. When I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I got some goodness and mercy. All right, go back to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Glory to God. So, uh, every day, and it's from God the Father and Christ Jesus. God the Father sits upon the throne, and Jesus the Son is on the right hand, and the Holy Spirit is upon the earth. He's inside of the believers. And so, we can't help but win. You got Father sending you some grace and mercy and peace. You got Jesus echoing that grace and that mercy and peace. Notice that in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 6, actually, 9, I'm sorry, it says that Jesus is called, one of his names is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is distributing peace, and even now, he is walking up and down these aisles and distributing the peace. If you just receive it, it's yours today. Let's look at 3. Verse 3 through 7 says this, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors. With a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the land of, of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Another translation makes, that says discipline. God is not giving you, um, but he's giving you a power, love, and discipline. Let's look at this. Paul is serving God as did his ancestor, ancestors of the faith. We're not to pray to ancestors, but we're to pray to the God of the ancestors if they were believers in Jesus. Y'all with me? Don't call on the ancestors. Call on Jesus. And if they were born again, call on their God, who is our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's who we call upon. We're never called to call upon ancestors like they got some power. They're either heaven or hell. They're burning or enjoy. Come on. 
they have no power upon this earth anymore. So we don't pray to Mary, who is Jesus' earthly mother. She got born again and got filled with the Spirit, so she's in heaven. She has no authority on the earth. And she was not somebody special in the sense that she was a greater saint. Because just like her, we too are carrying the Son of God. Paul said he serves God as did his ancestors of faith, and he's serving with a clear conscience. How many know that con our conscience is important? As Christians, we need to protect our conscience. Our conscience is the voice of our recreated spirits. And so when we do something wrong, guess what comes up? Conscience. We know what's right and wrong. We don't have, we don't have to have a book written um, not to smoke when it's in, in the scriptures. It, you, don't, you don't see that word, don't smoke, right? I'm sure they had something to smoke. They were smoking something. <laughs> but but it doesn't, it's not clear. But when you go to do something, you on the inside of you, your conscience will speak to you and bring conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts us of, of our sin of not receiving Christ, but our recreated spirit convicts us of our sins. The things that we do that go goes against God. And so he says, I serve God with a clear conscience. We need to serve God with a clear conscience. If you have unforgiveness in your heart towards your brothers and your sisters or somebody else in the world, you need to forgive them because your conscience is not clear until you're forgiven them, until you've done things right. And there are other things that we, so we should guard our conscience, making sure it, our conscience are clear. Um, some people serve God with a guilty conscience. Or they have unresolved issues or things weighing on them. Perhaps it was something that was done years ago. Perhaps it was a cuss word that came out of their mouth right before they walked into church. Or perhaps whatever the case may be. Paul is serving God with a clear conscience. And so we should ask the Holy Spirit to help us to always have a clear conscience. We need our conscience clear so we can freely serve God and humanity. Your conscience is so important. At one point, if you keep sinning, like say, whatever the sin may be, you keep doing that thing, what would happen is your conscience would become seared. And what's the searedness? I don't, the, worst, the way I can describe it is somebody drinking coffee. I don't drink coffee. But let's say they, they drink a hot pot, pot, a hot pot of coffee every single day. And you know how you first start feeling when it's something's hot in your esophagus? You can burn that over time where you don't even recognize, it doesn't recognize the hotness. The same way with sin, we can do something over and over and over again where we don't recognize the danger of and the, the fear of God with it, and we just drink it, keep engaging in it, and, and, and encountering that thing where it becomes the norm in our lives. And so we need to make sure that our conscience are alive to God. We can only trust our conscience if we've been recreated by the Spirit of God. And the word of God is inside of us. Reading the Bible does nothing for God, but does everything for us. And when we read the Bible, it reminds us of God. It is the conscience or the voice of truth for today. Y'all got me excited. I'm trying to lay just. So Paul says, I serve God as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. I exercise my conscience with clearness that there's nothing in my heart against anybody. I'm, I don't have no skeletons in my closets. Come on. 
what, what, what happened and I asked God to forgive me is washed in the blood. So there's no skeletons there. It's been buried with Christ. And, and I identify with his life when he was resurrected from the dead. I, too, was resurrected from the dead. So what, what has happened in the past? I did some dirt, but the dirt is clean now because of Jesus. So with God, I serve God with a clear conscience. So that's what Paul is saying. I don't have anything shady going on. I have clarity with God and with humanity. I, I've made amends and I've asked for forgiveness for people that I've done wrong with. Come on. It's not the requirement for salvation, but it is a requirement to live, live a, a conscious free life. And he said he's praying for Timothy, his son in the faith, day and night. He's reflecting over and recalling Timothy's tears. He desired to see Timothy so that he could have joy. He remembers Timothy's sincere faith. I ask you a question. Do you have sincere faith? Faith that is without hypocrisy. Faith that is without fakeness. I don't know about you, but I don't like fake people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love genuine people. And Paul is remembering his son in the faith that he had sincere, real, genuine, born-again faith. The kind of faith that can be traced back to Abraham. I want, and I said this last week, as, as we becoming, want to be bona fide a child of God. I, I started naming, I wanted to name this sermon, The Making of a Christian. That the, a real bona fide believer who is being conformed into the image of Jesus. And so Paul says, I remember your sincere faith. You know, we can all be sincere. We all can have genuine faith, real God-given faith, Bible-believing faith, not this fake stuff. I'm tired of fake faith. <laughs> and you see it, you smell it, you hear it. You ask me, how you doing? I'm blessing, highly favored. Okay, you're wrong, you're broke, you're hurting. Come on, talk to me. You need Jesus like we do, like I do. <laughs> Come on, don't be fake about it, but be genuine. And this is what Paul is affirming when it comes to his son in the faith. I re recall your sincere faith. And he goes on with it. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. Then your mother, Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. That faith that was transmitted, not transferred, but transmitted. That faith, that, how many know faith can be transmitted, can be imparted? And we should be imparting faith to our children and our grandchildren. Come on. And our great-grandchildren. That faith that will continue. Abraham is called the father of faith. And he transmitted that faith to his kids. And it, now we still have that faith. We follow after our father, Abraham. That's Romans. And so he says, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of this faith that's inside of you. This faith that is transmitted, that is imparted. We have the same kind of faith. And then he goes on, he says, with that in mind, for this reason, because of the faith that you have, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of, on my hands. In other words, I want you to rekindle. I want you to stir up the gift of God within you, that gift, that spiritual gift that you receive when I laid hands on you. Here we see Paul is telling him to stir up the gift within him. <laughs> 
Let me tell you, some gifts are given at the new birth. When we got born again, I love talking about being born again, being saved, because I don't think a lot of people, I should say, I don't think it's been preached as much. But we are to be born again. We, we're been, we are to be turned into something brand new that never existed before. And I said it last week, and I, it's, it's worth repeating. We're not reformed sinners. We are something that never existed before. We are brand new species. And man being Christ, he, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So what was my old nature has passed away, and I have newness of life that is in Christ Jesus. And so at the new birth or the rebirth, we got some gifts. Then when we went on and got, in, got filled with the Holy Spirit, we received some more gifts. And then perhaps a man or a woman of God laid hands on you and you received another spiritual gift. And then as you're faithful with what you have, you get more gifts. God will give you more. And sometimes people want the spectacular and in the midst of seeking that they, they're missing the supernatural. We need to flame the gift. So Paul is telling Timothy to stir up the gifts. Why did Paul tell Timothy that? He goes on and says, For the God has not given you a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit that produces timidity, but rather he has given you a spirit of power. What was happening? Paul left Timothy and sent him out as a pastor at the church of Ephesus. And at this church of Ephesus, I can imagine Paul, Timothy being intimidated because guess who was a member of that church? Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's like, man, I'm preaching in front of the mother of Jesus. I would have been intimidated. Like, oh, come and preach up. And some people made her like a sign, like, uh, like some kind of shrine. Yeah, like, hey, Mary. And they probably started a whole new religion. <laughs> but she was a member of this church. And this was probably one of the first mega churches of its kind. It was a huge church. And Paul, t Paul is trying to encourage his son in the faith because his son was timid because of his age, his lack of experience. And Paul is telling him he was going through some trouble. They were challenging his authority. And what, they, what, what Paul says, God did not give you a spirit that is intimidated, but of power and love and a sound mind. So rekindle and stir up the gifts that are inside of you. I laid hands on you. I affirmed you. I ordained you. So remind yourself of the gift and the commission that has been given to you by God. Remember the faith that your mama and your grandmama had. <laughs> Remember that faith. It lives inside of you. It dwells inside of you. And it'll keep you in the midst of a challenge. So, you're, so they're, they're intimidated because you're young. But go ahead and preach it. Go ahead and live out this gospel. Go ahead and don't, don't, don't allow that spirit that intimidates people to get on you. Remember, you got power. You got love. and You got sound judgment. You got, you got the spirit of discipline upon you. That's what he's talking about. Let's go on. Verse 6, 8 says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering. 
for the gospel by the power of God. So here Paul is telling Timothy not to be ashamed, not to be ashamed of Jesus, not to be ashamed of the sufferings that Jesus took place, and not to be ashamed of the suffering that Paul is going through. Don't be ashamed of the fact that Paul, his spiritual father, is in prison. Don't be ashamed. He's telling him to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he reminds him, again, of the salvation. He says, by this gospel who saved us and called us with, for, to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave to us uh, in Christ Jesus before the ages to come, before the ages began. So we see from this that Paul is telling Timothy that salvation, that he has the power of God inside of him, that, that God, that power saved him and called him with a holy calling. And notice he says, because of his, God's own purpose, he called him. Not of his own works, but his own purposes. How, how many know we've been saved because of God's own purposes and his own grace? By his grace, we've been saved. And not only have we been saved, but we're saved to a holy calling. How many know you got a holy calling? You got a holy purpose in life, not because of your own doing, because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, before you ever came into existence, God's calling was placed upon you. In the eons, the eons of time, in the counsel of God Almighty, let me take you there. You have Father God, you have Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. Not three gods, three persons, one God. They are one. They are not the same. They are one, one in unity. They flow together. They move together. They think alike. They don't think on the same page. They think on the same letter. They move alike. They have such love between one another. God who dwells in community is calling us to dwell in community. And we see that before people came into existence, they had counsel among each other and they decreed some things. And they says, you know what? This is what I want this person to do. This is, and every person that will ever exist, they begin to make plans and calling them to that thing, that purpose. We know God is a God of purpose, and so he's very purposeful. So when your mama and your daddy got together, he began, he says, you know what? I'm just bringing into existence what I've already called you to do. Before you came into existence, I've already got a plan for your life. So the counsel of God before the world ever existed, had all, he already made a plan for us. And this is what Paul is talking about. He says, called us to a holy calling because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the age, ages began, which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And, and through Jesus, you can't really have purpose outside of Christ. It is in Christ we have a destiny. It's in Christ we have a purpose. There are people who are tapping in a little bit of the purpose, but when you get born again, God brings purpose in your life. He brings clarity in your life. You're wondering, and you may produce some works, but they're dead. When you get born again, the works become alive. 
Now they mean something. Not only in this life, as Braveheart said, the things we do echo in eternity. Now my works can echo in eternity and give me a reward because I'm in Christ Jesus. And so this is what he's talking about. He says that in the ages to come, or before the ages began, now he's brought life through the appearing of Jesus who abolished death. Jesus destroyed the power of death. We're not to be afraid of death. Death is an angel. And the Bible says those who are in Christ, that God will not allow them to see death. That doesn't mean that they're not going to die. It means that we're not going to see the death angel. See, there, there, there's something to be said. When people depart this life, they do see the death angel if they're not born again. And the death angel will escort them to hell. But if you're born again, the death angel we won't see. And God allows us to see glory. Amen. The scripture says, Jesus abolished at his appearing. He abolished death. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In other words, life didn't make sense. <laughs> uh, eternity didn't make sense outside of Christ. But through Christ, he brought light into that. In John chapter one, it says in Christ. Um, let's go over there real quick. John chapter one. And I am almost finished. John chapter one. And says this. Verse four, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in verse four, in Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. The life of Christ, the life that, was, that is in Christ, is the light or the development of men. The development. So in Christ, we have light. And how many know that because of sin, we have darkness? We don't see right. And our understanding is marred by our sins. But in Jesus, Jesus bring to light life and immortality. He gives us clear understanding of what this life is about and the life after death. Verse 11, for which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. So we see here that Paul has this three call, threefold call to be a preacher, to be an apostle, and a teacher. And he goes on, he says, and this is why I suffer as I do. I'm not ashamed, for I know who I believe, I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard that which guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. This scripture tells us that Paul suffered because of his calling. He suffered because he was proclaiming the gospel. He became these things that posed a threat, therefore caused persecution to come upon his life. Then he's persuaded that God is able to, to guard the gospel, his calling into the return of Christ. Then he leaves us with this, that Timothy is to follow the pattern, the pattern um, the, of, of sound teaching, that he's to keep to good doctrine. How many know that there, now there's a lot of teaching that is not sound? You can listen, there is crazy things that are happening and people are teaching crazy things and we need to guard against that, that which is sound. And, and, and so Timothy is to follow after 
um, sound teaching. And then the last part that I want to emphasize is this, verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit. What's the good deposit? What's the spiritual deposit? The gospel. The good news of Jesus. We're to guard that. In verses 15 through 18, he talks about two, two, two men who, who forsook him. And then there was one guy who came to refresh him. He searched for him and, 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 he, and refreshed him, brought him some encouragement. And he's praying that the Lord will give him mercy at the return of Christ. I want to emphasize this, that we're to guard and protect the spiritual deposit of his gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus, the good news that Jesus died in our place and received the punishment that we all deserved and that Jesus became death. He, he died so we can have life. He became sick so we can be healed. He became poor that we may be well. He was oppressed so that we can have peace. He was at war with his own father because of sin so that we can be peace at peace with God. And so this is the good news. This news right here is the only message that will save. No other message saves like the gospel. The gospel saves us. It sustains us and makes us as if we've never sinned. It washes away our sins and makes us as brand new. It brings life. God uses the gospel even as God spoke the world into existence and called light where there's darkness. The gospel brings light in our lives where there was once darkness, where there was once chaos. The gospel brings order. Where there was once confusion, now there is clarity. Today, God is calling us to guard the spiritual deposit. Some people are, have not given themselves over to God. Thank God for the salvation. Thank God that we're born again. But people don't understand this wonderful news. It saves. It washes. It delivers. It heals. It brings life. It brings purpose. So we're to guard the spiritual deposit inside of us, this faith, this calling, the gift of God inside of us. Uh, the, 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 the thing that will cause us to be persecuted is the gospel. The devil's not afraid of your calling. He's not afraid of your anointing. He's afraid of that gospel. Mark chapter four says the devil comes immediately to steal the word. The devil wants the word of God. And so today, God wants to save. He wants to feel. He wants to set free. He wants to bring purpose. So how, what's the takeaway? You got to know the faith. You got to know the gospel. You got to understand what Jesus did, what God did through Jesus. Understand what Satan did through Adam and how God restored humanity. Humanity fell from a place of righteousness. But through Jesus, we restore it to the Father. You got to know the faith. You're going to guard the spiritual deposit? You got to know the spiritual deposit, which is the gospel. You got to know it. You got to understand it. You got to study the scriptures. You got to understand who Jesus is. You got to understand what Jesus did for you. You got to understand his return. You got to understand the implications of this gospel in every single area of our lives. That's one, know, knowing the faith. Number two, in order to keep guard the spiritual deposit, you got to stir up the gift of God inside of you. 
What's inside of you? What are the potentials that are inside of you? Unlock it and release it and maximize it. The gifts that is inside of you are there because of that God gave that to you at, at the new birth. And the next one is you got to pursue your God-given purpose. So why do you exist? You got to pursue it with all your heart. The more you pursue your purpose, the more that gospel is fleshed out in, that, in the world. I said this last week. The world is a better place when Christians become doers of the word of God. The world is a better place when Christians understand their purpose and fulfill it. And last, you got to follow sound teachings. Stay away from things. If it sounds strange to you, most likely it's strange. <laughs> it's not of God. Stay with what is familiar. You know, people barking like a dog in services. No, that's not God. That's a devil. Um, um, gold falling from heaven. Nowhere in the scriptures. We protect. There are moves of God that we don't understand with our human minds, so we don't neglect that. There's times when people fall out under the power. Don't, you know, we, fight, we have scriptures. There's the spirit of laughter and so forth, but there's other stuff that is in excessive, excessive. And, you know, um, sometimes people get caught up in the prophetic and they want a prophecy, but how I many know prophecy is just in part? Yeah. It's not the full story. You just know in part. So if somebody give you a prophetic word, it doesn't mean that you live your life based on a part. You stay with the whole and you judge the part in light of the whole. And you get a word from God, it's a word, not the word. You judge a word based on the word. And if a word does not line up with the word, throw the word out. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. If we judge somebody, I got a word for you. Okay, does it line up with these six, six books? No, delete, <laughs> block, not going to happen. It, this right here, this right here needs to be, it is the standard. It is the guard. It is the spiritual, I say the guard, but it's, it is the spiritual deposit. And we need to keep this deposit and guard it and keep it. And, 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 and Paul is, in this book, he's calling out names. <laughs> so and so for so and so did me wrong. Alexander the coppersmith did me wrong because he opposed our message. For, may the Lord reward him according to his deeds. <laughs> Dem, Demas, for love this present world has forsaken me. He called him out. He said he loved the world too much. He could hang. See the thing about it nowadays. Some people say, I want to be around the man or woman of God, <laughs> but. In the Bible days, to be around the man or woman of God meant that you might lose your life. You might end up going to prison because you're around the person that has a message that opposes everything in this world. And the gospel opposes this world. What you know is not the truth. But the word is the truth. And, and somebody, I heard somebody who got born again, and this is how they describe the gospel. It, it was a train wreck to their life. It, it, it switched their life upside down, but really right side up. But in what the world they knew, it, it flipped it upside down. The world that you know, if it's not based on the word, will be destroyed and it'll be a train wreck, the gospel, because it's going to turn around your world. It changes everything. The word of God, the gospel changes your mind, 
It changes your talk. It changes the way you see things. Now you're looking through life through the lens of the gospel. It says Jesus abolished death and brought to light life, brought life and immortality in light through the gospel. And so it's through the gospel we're able to see real life. We're able to see real eternity, not just the mystery of life after death, not reincarnation. The gospel destroys that. The gospel says, you're not being reincarnated. You're going to live eternally somewhere, whether with God or in his judgment. So the four things, again, is knowing the faith. Number two, stirring up the gift of God. Number three, pursuing your God-given purpose. And number four, follow sound teachings, follow sound doctrines. One, knowing the faith. You got to know the faith. How do you know the faith? I'll just tell you, just start reading. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then read the epistles. Read Acts and Revelation, and then go back and study Genesis through Malachi. Because you're reading the Old Testament in light of Jesus, not just out as a Jewish scripture. Amen. Knowing the faith, stirring up the gift of God, pursuing God-given, your God-given purpose, and following sound teachings. This is how we guard the spiritual deposit. Every eye closed, every head bow. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you this opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. God sent Jesus to die in your place so that you can be born again. If you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I want to be born again, raise your hand. I want to receive Jesus. Is there one? Perhaps you say, I want to rededicate or reaffirm my faith. I want you to be bold and brave enough to lift up your hand and say, I I turn away from my life to come to Jesus. Today, is there one who either want to be born again or rededicate? Raise your hand. My third invitation is if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and receive the baptism and speak in other tongues, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to receive the baptism. I cannot speak in tongues, but would like to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And number four, if you're looking for a church home, says, you know what? I've been wandering around for too long. I want to make a home. I make this my permanent home. I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Either salvation, rededication, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or joining a church. I want you to raise your hand. Let's pray with, the, with those who are on, on line. Perhaps there's someone there who, who wants to receive Christ. I want you to pray this prayer. There's no magic in the words, but faith in God. And so today, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is calling you into his kingdom. And so right now, pray this prayer. Join me as I lead our online audience to Christ. Say, Father God, Father God I, come to you. I come to you in Jesus' name. I recognize I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And I receive him as my substitute, as my example, as my propitiation. I receive Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you prayed that for the first time, I want to welcome you into the family of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I need some special prayer, I want you to come up. If you need special prayer, any type of prayer, whatever you're going through in life, 
we have some qualified ministers and ministers in training who will pray with you. Is there one here? You just need some extra prayer. Everybody good then. All right. My pen. Okay. <laughs> Lady Courtney. Thank you, Lord. Father God, if, come on, let's, let me just say a prayer over you as um, Lady Courtney prays for Jackie. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Come on. Join me standing. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We honor you today. We thank you for your goodness. Come on, lift up your hands and thank God for his mercy and his grace. He saved us by his grace. He saved us to a holy calling. And so, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for meeting our spiritual needs. We thank you for meeting our natural needs. We thank you for meeting our emotional needs. Every need in our lives, I thank you that you are meeting even now. Thank you for our sister here. And we pray that you meet every need, Father. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We honor you. Come on, just lift up your hands and let's give God some praise. Father, we praise you. The word praise means to speak well of. So speak well of Father God. Speak well of Jesus. Speak well of the Holy Spirit. We speak well of you. Father, we love you. We love you. We worship you. There is no one like you. There is no one like you. We glorify you. You're the God who sits high and you look low. Oh, Father, you sits upon. I thank you that heaven is your throne and the earth is your footstool. And we praise you. We honor you today. We thank you, Father. We thank you. And we praise you for, for just giving us clarity in our purpose. Come on, come on. Start praying for your purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray for clarity of purpose. Father, I thank you that we understand who, what you've called us to, Father. I thank you that there's no confusion of the purposes of God on our lives. Thank you, Father, for the calling of God. We love you, Lord. We worship. Come on, open your mouths and begin to spend that time. Just a few moments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We honor you. We stir up the gifts of God. Holy Spirit, help us to stir up the gifts of God inside of us. We rekindle the flame. Oh, Father, that which we received at the new birth, that which we received at the baptism, that which we perhaps received when hands were laid on us, that which that you have increased and given us even in faithfulness. And Father, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Come on. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. And we worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you for the natural blessings. Thank you for the financial blessings. Thank you, above all, the spiritual blessings. Thank you, Father, for changing our lives. And Father, we step up to the plate to know the gospel, to know the faith, so that we can guard it. Thank you for helping us to guard the faith. Oh, help us to guard the faith, guard the gospel, guard the deposit, the spiritual deposit, Father. You've deposited some things in us. Holy Spirit, help us to keep that which is inside of us. Help us. You, Paul told Timothy to keep by the Holy Spirit that which has been deposited in him, the good deposits. And so thank you for the good deposits, grace deposits, grace deposits. There's grace deposits. In the name of Jesus, thank you for the grace deposits. Thank you for the grace deposits. Come on, let's thank God for the grace deposits. Oh, thank you for the grace deposits. There's some things that was placed inside of you through your parents that were, they were good. There were some things that were placed inside of you by uh, other godly people. And thank you, thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, we worship. You. 
We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. How many know you got some good things inside of you? You got some good things inside of you. Say, I got some good things inside of me. Let, let me just read a scripture because some of y'all don't believe it. Philemon, some would call it. Thank you, Philemon. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have something? You got something? Okay, okay. Philemon. Um, and it says this. It says this. It says this, Philemon, you can fade that out so we can hear this. Um, it says this, let's do four and five and six. It says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear, I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective, effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in you for the sake of Christ. And there's some good things inside of us for the sake of Christ. There's some good things inside of us. There's gifts inside of us for the sake of Christ. And so we need to acknowledge those things. So let me pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help every person to recognize the good things that are in them in Christ Jesus so that the fact of their faith can increase. I thank you right now in Jesus' name. There's some good things inside of every believer. And I thank you that they'll stir up the gifts. They'll stir up the gifts. Holy Spirit, stir, help, help us to stir up the gifts inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.